Greetings and welcome to another episode of Seeking First. I am your hostess for the moment. This is uh, Shayna Harvey here from Insight Total Stewardship. And I have a special guest with me today for this episode. I have the uh, Reverend (laughs) Christopher J. Holland. Uh, Are you the second or junior? I am the second. He's the father. The second. Christopher J. Holland II um, here with me. He is the uh, pastor of New Spirit Community Church here in good old Southwest Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is also the convening pastor of the commonplace. So you're going to have to explain what that <laughs> even means. So what is a convening pastor? Well, the commonplace is a community resource organization uh, that works to serve uh, the constituents of Southwest Philadelphia, um, families and children through education, uh, spiritual enrichment, and social services. So my primary duties are to convene people. Um, oh, convening. Convening, yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, to where we are in Southwest, let folks know that we're here, what we're doing, and how they can work with us. Huh. Okay. So you're like connecting the community to the resources that you're offering to the community. Yeah. It's like, how do we get community, people? but also beyond. So beyond that, you know, different conferences, different places I may be, you know, I'm always talking to pitching, you know, Hey, Oh, you're like the, the, the street guy, like the marketing dude. There you go. Like you're out there. Hey, look at what we can do. Look at what you can help us with. Mm-hmm. And that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Convening people. Okay. Uh, perfect. He's also himself uh, an entrepreneur. He's the COO of uh, Connexus Technology mm-hmm. um, that he's run since 2002. And you have a partner there. You guys yep. run it together. Yep, yep, Lawrence James. Uh, and what do you actually do there? Um, we are a uh, technology firm. Uh, we always have been. And we uh, work with various um, clientele from uh, small to large businesses uh, to city agencies implementing technology solutions and and helping them figure out uh, what the next big thing is that they need in their company to make them more efficient. Mm, Okay. All stuff that I don't do. (laughs) Uh, Wonderful. Um, He is also a graduate of Drexel University here in Philadelphia. He majored in community uh, computer science. Uh, He's been married for 13 years. He has six children uh, ranging in age from seven to 20. Um, Yeah. Your oldest is, now in almost about to be finished school. She's her. She's Where's finishing she? her second year, so she's oh. going into her wow. third year now. It's that's so crazy. insane. So crazy. <laughs> I do remember her much younger. Yes, uh, me too. Where <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris and I actually met in seminary. Uh, we both went to Palmer Seminary, and uh, here in the Philadelphia area. And he graduated a little earlier than I did because I was on the uh, graduate slow plan. <laughs> um, but he graduated earlier than me. Uh, what did you love about seminary? Uh, I think it was definitely the community um, of people that were there. I actually like my professors a lot, too. And mm, yeah, that was cool. I think it was it was so different from my undergrad experience in mm-hmm. computer science. This is a whole different world. So, it, it should be probably. So I appreciated <laughs> it um, 
uh, in a different way. And I was like, ah, kind of refreshing conversations yeah. and thought. Yeah. You know, not ones and zeros. So <laughs> so I, I, I like that a whole lot. And what did you hate about it? Um, Probably reflecting on it coming out, realizing um, it prepared me for certain things, but not necessarily to step into a, a, a church mm. and lead it. Like it, <laughs> I, I don't know if it prepared me for all of that. Oh um, yeah, well, it's, it's hard to do that in a in an academic environment because so, that's real life stuff. So I've learned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. like we can tell you about the stuff that could happen, but there's no way to contain all of what could happen in ministry, particularly urban ministry. That very true. Um, where you have a whole other set of things that you have to deal with uh, that may be very different than suburban yes. ministry or rural ministry yes. or uh, whatever your ministry context is. Um, there are some unique things uh, that you cannot be prepared for in a classroom. Very unique. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would definitely agree. Uh, I, and I would probably say I loved um, the coursework. I thought it was refreshing, mm-hmm. um, different than my undergrad. I, my undergrad is in communications. Mm. Um, and so I was a journalism, advertising, and PR major in undergrad. And then to go to seminary, um, it was a completely di- – it was more like a liberal arts experience. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. You got to explore – you know, thought in a different way. You got to have different kinds of conversations. Uh-huh. It wasn't so much about um, career preparation as it was, you know, let's get ready to serve people, to serve God, to love people. How do you do that uh, well? Yeah. And I and appreciated that because I didn't go in with any expectations of becoming a pastor. Me neither. So um, <laughs> I just wanted to go and learn. And, uh, and I did. And, uh, you know, so I definitely appreciated not being forced in a particular direction. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was helpful because my initial draw was simply to learn more. Like mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. wasn't getting um, enough in Bible study. And Same I was like, story. I need yeah. some structure. I need I need to learn more about this stuff. Right. And how do I do that? And a friend of mine told me about her systematic theology class. And I was like, that's the kind of stuff I need to be <laughs> learning. Where do you get that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> And so I was like, yeah, okay, well, let me explore this a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, you want to be a pastor? No. No. <laughs> I just want that book that you're talking about. Right. I just, I just want to learn. Yeah. Um, so I took one class at a time uh, for a while and then uh, ended up getting, well, I was called before that, but I ignored it. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a whole nother story for another day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but everybody kept saying, oh, sounds like very pastoral what you're doing. Oh, you sound like a pastor. You preach. You say, and that just kept happening. I was right. like, listen, I'm trying to avoid all of that. Let's not, <laughs> let's not even go there. Don't put that on me. Don't put that on me. Uh, but yeah, seminary did prepare us for a lot of things. And the relationships that you build mm-hmm. beyond it are, are also helpful because you're going to need that for sure um, in ministry. Uh, but today's topic is actually going to be focused on stewardship and clearly uh Chris has a lot to steward, as you heard from his bio. His <laughs> <laughs> family, uh, two churches, essentially, uh, a, a business, um, his his own 
life in general and own walk. I have one of those. So I, I guess I do. Yeah, you yeah, do. Okay. I mean, I mean, you do some fun things. Yeah, right? some fun things. What, what do you do for fun? Um, I mean, I definitely I like to camp. Camp. I like to go with camping. I was introduced to it in college, and I and I continue it. Um, like with tents. Like with tents. Like in like know, starting fires and starting fires. Boy Scout stuff. Not quite that far. Like. <laughs> There, there are starter logs. Like there are ways to make it palatable. I'm pretty sure I didn't know that about you. How did I not know you camp? I, I guess it's not something I share all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because you get reactions like, like this. Exactly. Like, what? You're a black exactly. man. You're, You're a like... black man. You grew up in North Philly. You go camping? Like yes, yes. Okay, camping. Camping. Wow. So I, not I, glamping, but not camping. glamping. I'm getting closer to glamping because I'm getting older. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah. But I do enjoy uh wow, camping. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is fascinating. Well that I mean it's good to have hobbies, so steward that too. Yeah. <laughs> but we are going to uh talk about uh stewardship today and we're gonna be coming from Matthew chapter twenty five, um, the parable of the talents. And even before we get into the the scripture, we should probably define what a parable is because I haven't done an episode on a parable yet. So, uh, Chris, what is a parable? Uh, so this in particular, when, when Jesus is trying to explain things to people, um, there are times where he would give a little story, mm-hmm. uh, not calling out any particular names, <laughs> not, not pointing out any particular person. Um, but he would frame the story because, you know, we're people of stories. So we hear things differently when right. we don't see ourselves necessarily in those stories. So, mm-hmm. so Jesus told stories uh, with particular points and things he wanted to get across um, to capture folks' attention and or have them ask more questions Right. Um, from, from those particular stories. Okay. So that's what we're about to uh, hear today is one of these stories that Jesus is uh telling his disciples after they have asked a question. This is part of a continuing dialogue um, on that. So uh, let's read. And if you want to follow along, you can. It's going to be Matthew 25, 14, down to uh, verse 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 
He also who has received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what is happening in this scripture? What do you see? There's a lot happening in the scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, these folks or servants uh, were given uh, talents. And this um, definitely seems like it was uh, money mm-hmm. um, that they would take and invest Um and then from there, they will have something to give back to the man once he returned. But um, I think the idea here is sometimes we get caught up in to what we have, what we don't have. So the mm-hmm. the um, first couple servants there, you know, were given ten, they were given five. So they may have felt like they had a few things to play with, right? right? right. Versus that the last one only had received one. So mm-hmm. It definitely felt like they were functioning um, out of scarcity. Oh, yeah. Um, and kind of worried about, mm-hmm. well, if I lose this one talent, it's like it's, it's over right. for me. I, what am I going to do? I got nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I'm going to save this one real quick uh, mm. and give it back. Like, here, did you a solid? Right. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, th- I definitely see that. And that's kind of scarcity mentality, being afraid to take a risk. Mm hmm. Um, having little, but you have something. You have something. Um, And it wasn't his in the first place. Like the master said that it was his money that he was giving him. Yeah. (laughs) So, all right, it's not mine. I'm supposed to take care of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of the things that I see in this um, is that the, the servant with the one talent, he actually knew the master. Mm. And I think that was the problem mm-hmm. uh, because he knew, he said, I knew you were a hard man <laughs> and I knew that you reap where you have it. So he's like, well, if you knew me, then you would know that I'm not trying to get <laughs> just this one little talent back. <laughs> well, he thought he knew it. He thought he, he knew thought it. He thought he knew it. Like, <laughs> you obviously haven't paid attention. <laughs> Clearly. You didn't know me well enough. Nah, not at all. Like, because if, if you really knew me, you would know that this is not something that I would be pleased with mm-hmm. and that there was going to be some, some punishment. Some repercussions. Yeah. Some consequences yeah. and repercussions <laughs> to your actions. Um, but one of the things I see here that I underlined that I probably haven't seen before, um, where Jesus said, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Mm. I don't know how that, that reads in other translations uh, right now, but it's interesting that he says for the one who has not, because the guy had a talent. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So what doesn't he have? What is that? Uh, what is the not that he has? It doesn't have, I guess. Is it the the gumption, the risk taking? Maybe he doesn't have um, the understanding of the purpose mm. of of why this was a task mm-hmm. um, for him to begin with, uh, and and he didn't. So the others, it feels like um, all of them received talents, but they took ownership of it. Oh. So this one, kind of to your point earlier, he received a talent, but he didn't take ownership of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he just said, this is yours. I want to treat it like it's yours. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even going to do anything with it mm-hmm. versus saying, you know, I want to take this and I'm going to own it. Right. And I'm going to use this thing that you gave me. So, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't put it on the shelf. Right. So he, he never actually took the ownership of the task that he was given. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he was like, well, let me just play it safe. Right. And this is yours. It's going to stay yours. <laughs> I'm right. not really, I'm not going to play with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, just, I thought it was interesting that he says, but from the one who has not, um, talking about this guy who actually had something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you would think that if you have something that he wouldn't have said that. He would like, yeah, and to the one who didn't do something with what he had, yeah. he said, no, you don't even have it. Like, you never took possession of this. At all. At all. You never owned this. You never took it seriously. Um, and so that's what you don't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this isn't, I'll give a little bit of context uh, for this because um, this is, again, part of our series on the kingdom. And we're trying to understand more about what this kingdom is that Jesus has called us to seek first, um, the kingdom. But this is in the context of uh, Matthew 24, uh, after the disciples were asking Jesus about um, what are going to be the signs of his return. Um, uh, He says in, in Matthew, or the disciples say in Matthew 24, Three, as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying to us, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. Um, And then Jesus goes on to this long answer. (laughs) 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 Like if if you have a a Bible, it's just a lot of red after this. Mm -hmm. Like it's just this long answer of how to determine when uh, the fullness of the kingdom is supposed to come. Uh, so we live in this tension of like um, the kingdom of God being here, but not, not yet. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost, um, and it's not yet at the same time. So uh, he goes into this long uh, kind of description of, and trying to help them to understand what that would look like. So he uses a lot of, of parables here. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the parables that he's using to describe what it's going to be like when uh, the kingdom comes in its fullness, uh, when he comes back the second time. And this is one of them. So there's going to be this time where um, the kingdom is going to come in its fullness. Jesus will return and it's going to be like his master coming back and say, all right, would you do what I gave you? (laughs) (laughs) Like there's going to be some accountability here. For sure. Uh, and that's where um, I think this is 
this part portion of scripture is trying to get us to understand um, that portion of the kingdom mm -hmm. as well. Anything else you see in here worth uh, pointing out? Uh, I don't know if we're going to go in this direction or not, but I, I also think that the other thing that this one um, servant didn't get is the impact. So it, was, it wasn't just about um, getting a return on an investment, but when you go out and you begin to invest and do things, you have an impact on the community. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's not just about what I get, but it's about whoever I'm exchanging my goods with, right. who I'm investing in, what, what's coming back. So mm -hmm. you're the outpouring of, of what's happening and what you're doing with your talents wasn't just about the, the, the man who left on his journey, but it was about the greater community and the right. good of it all. So right. by withholding that one thing, it wasn't just, you know, protecting that one that that one talent for him when he comes right. back, but like you withheld also from the community and experiencing that talent. So mm -hmm. um, I, again, I think this this parable has a lot of different segments in it that we could definitely parse out. Definitely, yeah, because it said that um, the other two went and traded. Mm -hmm. um, so that means there was some relationship that they had with somebody else that benefited from what they were doing. Yep, and so the the one who hoarded his talent and just buried it in the ground. Never formed any relationship with anybody else. And then Nathan. And Nathan <laughs> just <laughs> put it in the ground, and it was it was a wrap. Um, and you know, I'm not going to get into the uh, a, a deep, deep theological conversation about you know the Jews and where they fit into this, but <laughs> who they were uh, in this parable. But I think um, just parsing out some of what uh, it could be saying to us today. What would be uh, something that you would consider a talent? today? I think uh, in a general sense, any good and faithful thing God has given us mm -hmm. is a talent, right? Any um, good and faithful thing that he's given us. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it, and it's, again, it's anything, yeah. everything that we have. Uh, but for this particular context, especially uh, for um, this podcast, for sure, you know, money is one of those things. Mm-hmm. Money's one of those those things that God has given us. Um, whether it's you know uh, ten million or it's a dollar, whatever it is, uh, with, within you know how this parable lays it out, um, God has given that to us. Absolutely, He's like, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk a little more about um, how this relates to how we're supposed to handle money. Okay, so how do you? Chris, see this um, in relationship to, let's say, how we handle money um, personally and even in the church? I think uh, when it comes to money, there are a lot of temptations out here for us to spend it on things that are very, very frivolous. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that do not help us to invest in anything. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's being a consumeristic society uh, is is very much so. You can almost consider it like burying your talent. Like you're going to yeah. put it somewhere and not get anything in return, right? Uh, right. For it's it, it's the so, black hole of spending. I'm just going to throw it out into the street. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to get. It's not going to benefit anybody. Like it's just. It, yeah, there, there's no building of anything. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think a lot of that happens. Uh, when it comes to money, I mean, obviously we want to, at time, 
get things for ourselves and feel good about those. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there probably should be a lot less of that and more (laughs) um, either reinvesting in our community and businesses and things that actually have a return um, that we can then reinvest some more right. um, and pour into either other people and or things that, that matter to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's probably the equivalent today. Yeah, definitely. How do you see that hap- um, happening even in the church since you're a pastor? Like how churches or how do you approach stewardship as a pastor? Oh, man. Uh, so <laughs> one of the things uh, seminary did not teach me was how to read a balance sheet or mm. understand profit and loss statements. Yeah. Uh, I, I picked that up from the entrepreneur side of what I do. So coming in, the first thing you know, we I looked at, literally the first thing I looked at was, let me see our statements of activity. Right. Because you had taken over an existing church. Yes. So they were already going. Already going, doing certain things. Right. Um, you know, but you can really see what a church is doing and or what a person is doing when you look at their bank statements. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer. Uh, yes, you are. <laughs> you can look at somebody's checkbook mm-hmm. uh, and their calendar mm-hmm. and say, okay, I see how you're spending your time. I see how you're spending mm-hmm. your money. It tells me a lot yeah. about what you value, uh, what you think is important. and uh, church will be no different. Yes. What does the church think is important? What does the church value? How do they handle their resources? Absolutely. So that they gave me a, a, a keen understanding of kind of what was going on or what had what had gone on. Um, so a church definitely has opportunities to uh, reinvest what they do back into the community mm-hmm. um, for growth um, for themselves, but also for the folks that they're trying to serve. Okay. Um, so. There, there are multiple ways and multiple, again, types of talents that we can say the um, the church has to pour back into the community and not just hoard for itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, as you bring that up that point, we think about owning what it is that God has given. So I see the talents, you know, kind of like you do with uh, anything good and faithful that God has given to us mm-hmm. using your words, but whatever we have, how do we then um, get a return on that in a way that would be pleasing to God? And in a previous episode, we talked um, before with uh, Reverend Harvey, uh, the other Reverend Harvey, the other Reverend Harvey. <laughs> about Jesus, the King and who, who gets pleased when we handle money uh, well or not well, mm-hmm. uh, who is getting pleased with our money. And so, I think in this case, um, how do we use what we're given to then please God? Mm-hmm. Um, and scripture says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you're faithfully engaging in uh, financial stewardship, then I would deem to say that you are doing something that could be pleasing to God, something mm-hmm. that's faithful, something that demonstrates your trust, um, demonstrates who you worship, demonstrates um, yeah, just your your hope uh, for his return, uh, your acknowledgement of the alreadiness mm-hmm. of the kingdom, mm-hmm. um, and how that how that looks and how we handle money. So, kind of getting back to the personal side of money, um, how do you how do you incorporate your own faith in how you handle money? Uh, early on. 
um, I learned about giving mm -hmm. uh, growing up in church. Mm -hmm. um, I think I started going to church when I was about six or seven years old. Mm -hmm. And in Sunday school, you know, you gave you a little Sunday school offering. And, <laughs> like, I don't know who this change is going to, but, uh, well, you know, I'm supposed, to give it. I'm supposed to give it. So <laughs> you made sure you had your couple quarters or whatever you had to give. And that had, um, you know, become a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And and understanding that at, at one point in time, um, you know, being a real funky, I was like, uh, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, mm, yeah. why Why am I doing this? And even though, um, you know, I still had a you know decent job or things were happening for me, my relationship with money began to feel different. Mm. I definitely began to feel like that it was, it was mine alone. Mm -hmm. And then when things didn't go well, my attachment relationship to it felt real, real off. Mm. Uh, it kind of began to control my feelings. Right. Um, but when, when I then began to give um, again, even when I didn't have a job, mm. uh, my relationship to money again changed again because mm -hmm. it was almost like a release. Like, you know, God, you gave me what I do have. Mm -hmm. The only way I can say you are really in control of it all is if I give something back. Right. And just and just doing that action changed my mind mm -hmm. around how I functioned and lived and my relationship to it. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't trying to hoard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any longer. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't uh wasn't all about you and what you could do and exactly uh what you can control. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that comes back to a control issue. Yeah. Um yeah. as opposed to like I have to make this happen. Uh, if I don't do this, it's not going to happen. And you're completely negating the literally God-given partner <laughs> that you had because it's himself. For sure. Uh, he's like, no, I'm I'm giving you something that actually is mine. And I want you to use that for my glory. Uh, that's a completely different way to look at money mm -hmm. as opposed to, all right, let me see what I can do to get it, uh, what I can do to spend it, mm -hmm. how it can make me feel good. Um, how did you how did you see your attitude changing? I think when things just weren't going the best for me at that time, um, and and I felt like I needed more money. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, and I mean, again, this is not um, crazy talk. I hope, but suddenly, <laughs> uh, I wasn't receiving any more money. Right, mm -hmm. I was actually giving more out to this particular thing, mm -hmm. um, but it just made me think differently to say, Hey, the situation that I was in financially wouldn't last always one mm -hmm. money's going to come and go. Mm -hmm. Um, again, it's, it's not mine. Right. Right. Uh, so I was able to function with less stress. Right. When going through my various circumstances, even though the circumstances didn't change. Right. Like I wasn't delivered from the dead. I wasn't, <laughs> you know, uh, things didn't change for me in that way. But my my mental state was delivered from mm -hmm. the oppressiveness that can happen when you feel like, oh my God, there's nothing I can do about this. Right, right, right. So that that really began to shape my relationship with money early on, in my mm -hmm. early twenties. Oh, well, mm -hmm. that's a good lesson. Now that you're a little bit beyond that, a little bit, a little, a little. <laughs> it's a good lesson. Uh, to learn. But yeah, I, I think that that is, you know, the anxiety around money can be so consuming mm -hmm. 
uh, that one of the ways that we can combat that is to acknowledge that it doesn't belong to us in the first place. Yeah. That takes some of the pressure off. It's like uh, renting versus owning. Like, and you own a house. Right? <laughs> and you know what comes with owning property. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah, like, yes, it's all on you. It's like, all on you. If something's going to get fixed, um, if something needs repair, like, whatever it is, it is on you to get it done. Um, and there's another level of pressure that comes with that. There's there's some rewards that come with that. Mm-hmm. But there's also pressure um, versus renting a house. And you're like, oh, something's wrong. Let me call my landlord. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he can worry about it. Yeah, or she this. can worry about it. Yeah. Um, and I've been in both positions. Like mm-hmm. I've rented um, and I've owned and I've been a landlord. And I know my tenants call me <laughs> <laughs> when they need stuff done. Right. And because I'm the owner of the property, mm-hmm. I have to take care of that. So, um, but if we look at this whole life as we're renting space, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and God is giving us his stuff and saying, oh yeah, you're, you're my tenant in this earth, oh, but I'm treating you more as, as a friend mm-hmm. uh, and a partner. Right. And so partner with me so that we can actually make this um, what I've created it to be. Yeah. Make it happen together. Make it happen together. And you don't have to do this by yourself. Right. Um, and here is another opportunity to partner with God financially to say, all right, well, this these are your, these are the resources you gave me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not looking at what you gave my neighbor. Because I'm not accountable for that. Not at all. I'm not accountable for that. I'm accountable for what you gave me. You gave me these people in my life. You gave me this home. You gave me this church. You gave me this uh, particular set of giftings. Uh You've given me these financial resources. And now it's up to me to do something with that. Uh, I think it's so hard nowadays, though, because folks are constantly looking at their neighbor. Or looking at the other person, yeah, and what they have, and what they're <laughs> doing, and and I want to have that, or have that lifestyle, or be in that mm-hmm. place doing that thing, and you begin counting your own money, like, oh, how I can I make that, that happen? <laughs> right? Like, how, how can I even do this? I want to do what they're doing. Yeah. How do they get? How do they get to drive that? And and that state <laughs> of envy, um, just you know, begins to to kill the steward in you. Yeah. Yeah, it literally begins to choke it out mm-hmm. because you no longer want to do things uh, for the kingdom or to benefit yourself. Even right, you just want to do it to live up to what someone else is doing. And right, this is, it's just a never-ending cycle and spiral that will inevitably. Um, what did the text say? Have that. One talent taken away, mm-hmm. given to someone else, <laughs> and then let me just kick them out as well. Um, right, right. Into the darkness. Right. Like that's a pretty yeah. serious yeah. consequence. <laughs> How about it? How about it? Like yeah, the 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 consequence of that seems punitive enough that you would think it would scare us. To be like, you know what? Let me um let me get myself together here. Mm, let me just a little bit. What what was I given? All right, yeah, let me work that. <laughs> the two talent uh, uh, servant here wasn't like, but you gave him five though, right? <laughs> or if it does, it's not recorded. Huh. Uh, you gave him five, but the one was like, I got this one. I'm not even gonna do anything <laughs> <laughs> with it, and that that's the person who got um, 
punitive damages. Yeah. And that's a, a pretty significant consequence yeah, there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so hopefully we don't we don't become that. Um, but the prison that you talked about that you were living in, just mentally, um, that's that's a taste of what they imagine that eternally. Mm. Like that no, level of <laughs> that level of, of slavery, mental slavery and that anxiety and that you know, that heaviness. Um, we are called to live above that and to to have an exit out of it yeah. if we take it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that does require some activity on our part. It requires activity and I think for a lot of us who haven't grown up in households where we will learn easily about finances. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the activity is getting the education around it. Yeah. Finding people, talking to people. I mean, even now, I come across something, I'm calling Shana, like, hey, yo, um, <laughs> right. I got a situation. What do I do about this? <laughs> right. Because, you know, it's I don't know everything, and I'm always still learning new things. Mm-hmm. But you definitely need to lean on community and find community that can help you to say, listen, these are the moves I'm trying to make. Right. How do I get there? Right. Uh, so, but you have to kind of be in that mind state. I, I want to mm-hmm. multiply these talents. I want to do something with them. I don't just want to sit on this because I know it's not going to end up well. <laughs> right, right, right. The, the, the weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't talk like that. We don't. So we it don't. probably doesn't mean as much to us. A lot of weeping. Weeping, we understand. We weep. We, 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 <laughs> we, we weep over again. money. We weep over things. Oh, we weep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we weep. Gnashing of teeth is like, uh, eh, it's a bit, yeah, uh. well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but being cast out into the outer darkness, I mean, that that's that's pretty terrible. Um, I, I, I would not like to be cast out. Of anything? Uh, of anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that, you know, finding... Um, community that um, has this similar values in that sense, mm-hmm. uh, where you want to do something. We don't want to just waste what you have. Right. Uh, iron sharpening iron. Yeah. Um, and being able to to want and hope to see other people grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's helpful. And I know that you know I have people in my life who are doing better than me financially mm-hmm. and some doing worse than me financially. Yeah. Um, and I think you can learn from both. Absolutely. Because it's not the outcome. It's, um, you know, we all might get a different outcome mm-hmm. when it comes to finances. I may never be a millionaire. Right. But I can please my God Absolutely. with what I'm given. Mm-hmm. And I can trust that he's going to provide. And I can trust that what I'm given is going to be enough for me to do whatever I need to do. Yeah. And I just need to not waste it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, it's, it's, again, it's too easy to waste it. Yeah. Too it's, easy. It's very easy. And everybody else has got an agenda for your money. Absolutely. So uh, they want you to spend it the way that they want you to spend it. Um, Mass but, marketing. Yes. Uh, that was my previous major. Yeah. <laughs> you know all about it. I know all about it. Like, <laughs> crafting advertising campaigns to yes. make sure that people part with their money Appeals in a way to my that senses. exactly <laughs> don't this look good? Make it easy for me. <laughs> Take all of my money. Well, there there are four. Um, uh, I guess I don't even know what to call them. I guess principles of stewardship that I got from a guy named Bill Bill Peel, um, who 
wrote for uh, wrote an article for an organization uh, now known as uh, Theology of Work, um, and this organization has a lot of resources on like the the importance of work mm-hmm. as it relates to our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wrote this essay called Leadership is Stewardship. And he uh, pointed out four components of uh, stewardship that we should be aware of. And a lot of them we already hit on um, in this episode. He talked about ownership, responsibility, accountability, and reward. Mm-hmm. Um, that number one, ownership Um, As we've talked about, acknowledging that all of these resources belong to God. Mm -hmm. Um, They are not yours. Nope. Not a one. (laughs) But you are to partner with God in that Mm -hmm. and own the fact that he gave it to you. Right. So you're not owning the stuff. You're actually owning the relationship. Right. Right. um, That you have, that he is entrusting you with this stuff. But it is his. Mm -hmm. You are the steward. You are the tenant. Um, and he's the landlord. And it's all temporary. <laughs> it's all temporary. Mm-hmm. Whatever he gave he gave us is temporary. Um, so the only place you have to steward it is here. That's it. <laughs> For as long as he gives it to you. You can't steward it in the pine box. <laughs> you definitely can't do that. <laughs> There's nothing to do in the pine box yeah, but yeah. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's, um, I think, principle number one. All of it belongs to God. So ownership is important. Mm-hmm. Two is responsibility. You do have a responsibility with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the ability to respond to what he gave you. Right. Um, and so with that, you have to accept that responsibility and say, that, oh, yes, I'm going to um, take ownership of this relationship that we have and I'm going to do my part. Yeah. Um, number three is accountability. He is coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there will be, uh, you you will be called to account of whatever this was. Not because the stuff itself is valuable, but because the relationship you have to the one who gave you the stuff is what you're valuing. Um, And an acknowledgement of the alreadiness of the kingdom and the not yet of the kingdom. So I think the accountability portion uh, refers to this not yetness of the kingdom. Like we will be accountable because he's coming um, for his stuff. Mm-hmm. His stuff is actually us. Right. <laughs> but we demonstrate the fact that we know that this is happening by how we handle the other stuff that he's giving us. And one another. Yeah. So that, that's, that's another thing he gave us. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, you can say, I'm just going to take this thing and only be about me. Right, but you missed that. You missed the point. Yeah, you, you know the, the reinvestment again is in the in the stuff, um, perhaps, but it's also in the people around you in the community that you're a part of. Right, you're not separate from. Yeah, there's no separation between you and everybody else. And everybody else, yeah. He's coming back for us, right? The body, um, and then reward, uh, which also speaks to the the not yetness of there is a reward for those of us who enter this kingdom and uh, have this relationship to the master, which again is pointed out in this particular text. So enter into the joy uh, of your master. Um, so this, there is a, a reward for this and there's some joy that you're going to be able to have um, and celebrating with him. It's the master celebrating with 
the uh, stewards. Yeah, and and the reward is twofold. I think it, it's it's reward that can happen here mm-hmm. right now, uh, but also the reward, like you said, for that relationship and later. And right. and the other part of this is that that reward, either place, either way you look at it, is not an immediate thing. Like it mm-hmm. is a far-reaching, you know, long. Um, long tail type situation that mm-hmm. it's not going to happen overnight. So when pouring into something or investing or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's planning for the future time. Right. For the future state, for yourself and or for your family or for the mm-hmm. next generation. Like it, it's a, it is a longer story to be told. It's not what's going to happen for me tomorrow. Right. Right. It's not, you're not going to get this instant gratification. Yeah. Um, Cause this, and that happened here in this text too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went away and went away for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't overnight. He didn't come back the next day. It was like, all right, I'm going to go away for a while um, and then come back. So there's time that we're given, uh, which is also a gift, right? Uh, the gift of time. And then we have to steward that well mm-hmm. as well, but it's going to take time for any of this to happen. There's a, there's the eternal reward mm-hmm. uh, that we will, experience forever and we don't know when jesus is coming back so <laughs> right could be tomorrow it could be in the next five minutes we we don't know um but there's also you know whatever time we're given uh it's going to take some time for all of these things to take place and all of this is a demonstration of faith as well yeah and, and it takes time to build a relationship yeah so <clears throat> as all this is you know in in relation with god you need this time to spend with God. Right. So it's talking about how you're going to do things, how you're going to use this money, how mm-hmm. God, is this the way that you envision it going down? Is it, <laughs> if it's not the right way, please let me know. Right, right, uh, right. You know, I'm going but, in this direction, but yeah. you know, I'm going to need your help because I don't know. I don't have no idea. <laughs> but, it, but it takes time. Uh, and none of these things, as my grandmother would say, is a flash in the pan mm. uh, <laughs> or happens that quickly overnight. So Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, these are all critical lessons and um, something that we can all benefit from to remember that we're going to need patience, uh, which fortunately is part of the gift that we're given in the Holy Spirit. Uh, mm. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. That it is. <laughs> so we we have what it takes if we are in him and uh, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, like uh-huh. he said, then we also have the ability to endure uh, with patience what it takes to get to the the, the long-suffering uh, reward right. that we may have to endure, um, whether it be in this life and or the life to come. Um, we have what it takes to, to get that. Um, so with that, um, I will thank you, Chris, for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, and seeking first and uh you have anything else to say to the people you want to invite them to your church oh yes uh new spirit community presbyterian church is uh, in southwest philly 5736 chester avenue um 11 o'clock on sunday morning sunday school is at 10 o'clock please join us come check us out um come have a great time and uh we can chat about these topics or any other thing <laughs> Uh, that you so desire. Wonderful. So yeah, I've I've been to the church. I've preached at the church actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yes, lovely people. 
um, if you're in the area or just want to be in the area, head on out um, to New Spirit Community Church. And till next time, I will sign off. Uh, thanks again, Chris, for joining us. And I will talk to you later. See ya. Bye.